everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 55. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Join alongside me, as always, one of the usual suspects on the podcast is Matt Santangelo. Pet isn't with us this week, um, so it's just me and Matt. So, Matt, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, yeah, we're coming off a really enjoyable episode with Bleacher uh, Report Football Sam. Tie, so make sure you guys go check that out, out that episode out excuse me i think that was probably the most questions we answered in a, a block of time i think we're getting a lot more which is really enjoyable it's kind of changing up the actual format of each recording and uh making it a less um i guess you know more engaging for you guys as the listener knowing that you'll have your say in our each of our episodes so um on that front i'm doing really well getting some more followers too. It seems like there's a lot more engagement with what's going on with my feed during the Mercato, which is very, very awesome and very enjoyable. So I appreciate the support, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what should be a really fun and action packed episode here. Of course, as Milan fans, we have tons to, to get into, which I'm sure you're going to reference uh, very shortly. Yeah. Um, look, more, po- more positive news, right? I mean, it's just, I know we try not to talk about them too much, but you can't help but do it at this point. I mean, it's just what they're doing right now, um, giving all the restrictions that they've had, the situation of the financial mess that they were in. Um, three ownership groups. This is the third one. There's probably going to be a fourth after this because Elliot is a hedge fund and they're not going to um, own this club forever for the foreseeable future, at least. Um, not longer than three years, you would think. Another three years. But anyways, look, Ibrahimovic, Sandro Tonali, right there, two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? The old veteran who's just been absolutely unbelievable, a marketing machine for the club. So almost everything he has done so far has been justifiable. His return from the COVID break, he was great. Even before that, when the stoppage happened, he was fantastic. To get him back for another season, have a leader like that, in that locker room, you know, it's the exact combination of what Maldini was going for with veteran leadership with a player like Ibrahimovic. Um, and then you get the youngest top Italian prospect outside of Nicolo Zaniolo, in my opinion. And Sandro Sonali, who just turned 20 years old, was playing for Brescia the whole season, had seven assists. Uh, in Serie A, that, that accounted for 20% of Brescia's goals, Matt. Um, I know there's some statistics out there that kind of show that some of his passing wasn't as great as, as some would lead to believe that. Um, he's not, he does not play like Andrea Pirlo. I think we need to preface by saying that. Um, he's more of a physical midfielder. Um, he's a better athlete than him. I think he's defensively stronger. The passing isn't even close. I mean, Pirlo in my opinion, is top three passer of all time. You're not really going to find better passers than that, and that's okay. But his his passing is is really um, – he's got a lot of talent. Like he could send some balls in over the top. It, he needs to work in a little bit on his through balls that are on the ground. But, again, when you're when you're playing in a side like Russia where they were starved for a lot of goals, like Balotelli didn't work out, Alessandro Matri wasn't, wasn't as great or what they wanted, Alfredo Donnarumma was struggling as well. So – for Milan to do that, to have a player and a youngster that is a massive fan of the club that accelerated and wanted this to be done because Inter had to do a few things in the market before they got to this, and we're going to get into Inter right after. But 
Maldini swoops in. It's $10 million a year loan. Um, they get that for this year. Then it's bonuses that are going to be going up to 35 million euros. The, the, the payments are spread out. It's perfect for everyone involved. Russia still gets a pretty nice fee for a team that just got relegated. And Matt, at the end of the day, Milan add more midfield depth. And they got a guy who just turned 20 that this can be someone that'll be one of the world's best for 10 years. And like, that's, that's what they're dealing with here. And this is their best midfield that they've had. And obviously there's a couple more moves, but just talk about these two first, because th- these are the headliner ones. And this just changes the whole overall vibe going into the season for this team. Ibrahimovic, without question, you needed to bring him back, given how dire the striker situation has been for Milan over the past what decade, really since Ibrahimovic left the first time um, in 2012 to PSG. I think um, you know they maybe spent a little bit more than probably fans and maybe the club themselves would have liked to at seven million euro a year um, or for the one year. But um, in any case, the production he put up ten goals, five assists, and I think eighteen the Serie A appearances, um, having that sort of effect on the changing room. A lot of the younger players tend to tend to gravitate towards him, tend to get a lot of um, positive energy, um, raise their state, raise their game a bit. Um, and just overall preparation, training, and approach towards each and every match, you could get the sense and the feeling that Ibrahimovic already was having the sort of effect that went beyond production. And for me, it, it was a no-brainer to bring him back. It's, it's glad that that's done, that's sorted out. And I tweeted something out um, last week that I thought that Ibrahimovic, once that was all sorted out with his contract and signed and we got past everything there, then the market can start to unlock. And then sure enough, here comes Sandro Tonali. Um, Milan accelerate for this move. Um, but also, I think Inter really put it on themselves. They allowed Milan to kind of step in, intervene, and overthrow them ultimately to get his signature. Um, we, we talked about this for a while, you know, how how much we felt Inter were ahead, right? And we talked about it at length on this podcast. We talked about it on the soccer showdown. And it seemed like he was Inter's. Inter kept lagging on and, and, and kind of dragging this thing out. And then eventually, Milan intervened. They got the kind of go-ahead from Elliott to make this thing happen. And sure enough, Paolo Maldini, uh, everyone gets involved. They um, talked to his entourage, his, his, his agent. They obviously spoke to probably his family, him, the player himself. And sure enough, they, they get this thing over the line. And it comes to a much of a surprise for a lot of Milan fans who have thought that maybe they were going to lose a top prospect to Inter, which is something you never want to see. But also, you know, they did lose Stefano Sensi last summer. Right. They, you know, they, the guys like Nicolo Barella, Federico Chiesa, you felt like maybe he would go to Juve. All these sorts of players, these young Italian talents seemed that like Milan would really never be able to quite get them just because of their situation. But it's amazing how a good half season can, you know, change the fortunes of the club, change the fortunes of the market and ultimately pave the way and open the door for young talents like Tonali with options um, out there, you know, just to go to some other clubs, I'm sure in Serie A goes to Milan, has that boyhood allegiance to the club, grew up a Milan fan, grew up a huge Gattuso, um, <laughs> huge Gattuso stand. Um, there's like a, a letter going around that he put down a list of things he wanted for Christmas or from Santa Claus. I don't know if you saw that. Um, he wanted like a PS3. He wanted like a PSP charger, an AC Milan shirt, shorts and socks. So like this guy is like born, bred and raised Rossonero. And it, it's fantastic to have him um, not only join Milan um, and join that midfield ranks, which is still very young, but also 
join into underfavorable terms, right? You mentioned loan with an option, which is option in quotes is probably mandatory um, with the bonuses being added on there that could potentially bring the total sum here to around 35 million euros. So all in all, I think it's a great deal for Milan to snatch up one of the top rated young Italian prospects in recent memory. I know Zaniolo is, is very highly sought after. We know Castrovilli, I feel Argentina. You, those, two, those two or three guys are probably the, the, the cream of the crop, the top guys you look to. And the fact, the fact that Milan was able to snag Tonali out from underneath Inter, however you want to slice it, whether or not Inter backed away, whether Milan you know, snatched him up, regardless, he's joining Milan. Um, that, should be so, uh, that should be settled and all wrapped up. Uh, the, the, the shaking of the hands, the number reveal, the press conference, all the emotions. I'm sure they'll have a nice video package for him, obviously, with some throwback photos. Um, Absolutely. Reportedly yeah. for Thursday. So I, I'm very pleased and I'm excited to see um, him get into training, him start to get involved with the club and see where he fits in. Yeah, I mean, their first game's on September 17th, and uh, this episode drops on the on the 1st. 16 days from now, they're going to be playing in a game. We'll see if uh, he gets in there or not. Um, yeah, look, and just to quickly wrap, wrap up on what they're doing in the market, they're not even fit. They're not even close to finish. They have a few more moves that they want to go after. Serge Aurier is still another name um, from Spurs. I know they have to figure out that fee, obviously. Um, it seems like Spurs are moving in a different direction. I, I started all or nothing uh, by the way, on Amazon, it's it's fantastic just to see Jose, Jose Mourinho behind the scenes is is awesome. So that that's just a side note. But um, Milinkovic again, there was a couple of reports after uh, later today that were released saying they're still going to be pressing for them. There's still rumors about Chiesa, um, maybe get Paqueta in the swap if they fully buy out uh, Ante Rebic. Uh, Fiorentina gets us some of that money, so there's some more of that savviness. But the closest one so far that we've seen is Brahim Diaz, um, former Manchester City player, playing at Real Madrid, just, you know, kind of one of those full roster casualties of Real Madrid. They have so many players. They're in a difficult financial situation. It's one of those that it'll be a loan. The option to buy fee for Milan will be around 18 to 20 million euros, whereas Real Madrid also have a buyback option on him as well. So it's a little bit similar to Alvaro Marata when he was at um, Juve. So that's a variable, very favorable formula for Milan because if he's pretty good, then they could keep him. They build off of it, and he's not costing them too much. And then if he's amazing, they sell him back to Real Madrid. And if not, it was just a dry loan. They just declined the option. And then the last one is Tomio Bakayoko. Um, Again, Chelsea in the negotiation, he, he just makes so much money. It's, they got to go back and forth. We're going to be talking about some of the business they're doing, so that's going to take a little bit. It'll probably be another loan or option to buy. I think they have to figure out what the option to buy uh, price will be set at. But Bakayoko coming back, another guy. Matt, you could just tell the profile here with the players and the types of guys that Maldini wants is the guys that really want to be at the club, the guys that love putting on the shirt and understand what it means. Bakayoko, again, you just go to his Twitter, check his Instagram. Posts that he likes um, all the time. It's everything about the club. He liked Ibra coming back just the other day. So, again, it's just it's getting guys like this, and he played fantastic for them. And just to have this depth, it's going to be a condensed season, someone who wants to be here. You're not asking too much in wages. And, hell, they just got rid of Pepe Reina as well, Lucas Bilia. All these guys didn't even play a minute for them that often, especially since the COVID restart. There's over $6 million net. That, were, that was being uh, sat on the bench. So to just say that, reinvested in players like Ibrahimovic, Tonali, Bakayoko, and some of these other guys. i got to say, it's really impressive stuff from Maldini. So any last uh, notes, comments 
on that stuff before we move on to the other club in the league? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think that some of the moves they're making, if you notice, it's to that still loan with option formula, which I think uh, for accounting purposes really works in Milan's favor. Um, not to say that they're kind of penny pinching right now. I think hey, it's not the only club that has to do this. It's, it's no, 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 not at all. I think they're, mm-hmm. in, and I think that the, the good thing is that it's a blessing in disguise that, you know, maybe they did all this axing uh, in, in advance, right? You know, I think they were already in a pretty good position entering last season in terms of the wage bill. You kind of got a sense that they were starting to really shed and downsize. And downsize. But sure enough, with the whole cl- uh, financial climate being the way it is, and then that it, it, the expiring contracts came at the right time for Milan because it didn't really strap them down. Imagine if they were still holding those really heavy salaries. They really wouldn't be probably able to be spending as much or allocating as much to the wage bill like they are now. Not to say they're, they're, they're splashing the cash around because I think like players like Tonali, even Bakayoko will probably have like half of what he is making under his Chelsea contract if he does join Milan. Raheem Diaz is a younger player. He's probably not going to be making a ton of money himself. So you start to kind of look at everything and you look at the position that Milan are in with their wage bill and their finances, and it seems a little bit more stable. It seems a little bit more fair when you look up and down the wage bill and what, what each player is earning. And look, I, I know that many fans are, are itching for just this huge, massive signing in terms of like outright permanent buy, like a, like a Chiesa and Milenkovic. Um, let's just say I've been told by someone inside the club that they are looking at another right back besides a Serge Aurier, who has been um, uh, coveted for, for the past couple of weeks now, really for the past month or two. Um, they're looking at another right back besides Aurier, uh, which is, is something to keep in mind that perhaps maybe, maybe gives an indication that Tottenham's asking a little bit too much. And, Someone who can maybe back up Teo Hernandez. Obviously, Laxalt doesn't look like he has a as a role at the club here. He was only brought back for last season after um, Anthony Robinson deal collapsed, and they really just had nobody else to back up Teo Hernandez. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Pierre Kalulu, who just came on a free transfer from Lyon, plays a more important role than many fans probably intended or expected upon arrival. I don't know if that Milenkovic, that 30 to 40 million euro splash signing central defensively is going to occur right now, at least. I think that Milan really are trying to, you know, plug up the gaps in the midfield, really add some attacking talent to help, you know, bolster that area and ultimately make Milan a much more dangerous team up there. I think in the short term, yes, they maybe have some, some questions and concerns at the back, but even even over the past couple of years, Martina, you would agree with me on this. You know, having guys like Zapata and Romagnoli, or you know, Romagnoli alongside Alex or whoever, they've gotten some pretty decent performances, even from guys like Musacchio. So they haven't really needed like this huge, big, expensive pairing in the back. They really just needed like an average defense. Defense. And when you have throw guys like Bakayoko in the equation and Kessie, who are very good defensively, Tonali, who's very good defensively as well, aside from what everything else he can do, and also Ben Esser is a pretty underrated player in that, in that regard, you can kind of get away with having an average defensive uh, line in terms of personnel, at least. So I just want to give they that did a little teaser to Milan yeah. fans. They did do that when Abate had to fill in as emergency center right. back. They were putting right. in a great performances. You're right. I mean, Bakayoko, as long as you're... They're not going to have a, yeah. a you know, delict type acquisition no. or no. someone like a you know, Devraj type or a Skriniar, or someone of that caliber, some of that ilk. But they maybe get someone on the low, someone on the cheap that mm-hmm. can 
be another decent body for them. I mean, Simon Kier for three and a half million was steal when you look at it right now, right? Because I think you know, he's got the experience. He's cheap. He's affordable. He has um, he still has some years to give. He, he he was really cohesive with Romagnoli that down the stretch and for much of last season. So, you know, I, I understand that maybe fans are they're, they wanted this big spending summer, and I think you got to understand that if some of these other clubs are not doing it that are normally pretty high spenders, yeah. chances are that Milan are not going to be doing it. Yeah, and, and and it's just a patience thing. But we have to move on anyways. Um, keeping it to the same city, same league, Inter. So it was pretty evident that their priority was not to push for Tonali. Conte has made comments time and time again. You guys have covered it. Last episode with Sam Tai with Leecher Report um, in episode 54. He wants winners. He needs guys that have won now. He wants the more experienced players, right? And you see it with the names that they're linked with. And, and the three that we'll rattle off right now are involved. Two of them are involved in the midfield. The other is involved in the left side of the defense, something that they do need to fill in as well. So Arturo Vidal, more reports and rumors have been going around that he's going to try and terminate his contract with the club and go play back uh, with Barcelona, go play back with his old manager. He's not getting any younger at all. Um, he's approaching his mid-30s. I think he could still be serviceable. He's a guy who has won a Scudetto before. I think this is just all a push by Inter to win that trophy, get a little bit further in the Champions League, you know, make a quarterfinal potentially, right, with all these guys that they want and just go after the league. Because as of right now, if they get moves like that, they're going to get them. I, it's potential that Brozovic is leaving. The potential that Milan Skrinar might be on the way out as well. Nicolo Conte, who also used to play for Conte at, at Chelsea, is another name that's popping up. He's not exactly what he used to be a couple of years ago. I don't think he's one of the two or three best defensive midfielders in the world. But on his best day, he's still able to deliver that type of performance. He is still one of the better defensive midfielders in the world. It's just when they're buying him, I think it's going to take a lot to sell with Chelsea. Um we know how tough Marina is as a director, and she's absolutely unbelievable at it. And kudos to her all the time for the negotiations. Always tough. We see it with the Bakayoko situation. And there's Kolarov. Um, look, Kolarov stepping up on the left side. This is a guy who has played some really great football for some teams that have qualified for the Champions League. Uh, we saw him at uh, Manchester City. I believe he used to play at as well. Look, this again, it just fits the profile. Milan has their certain profile players that they want to sign. Inter have theirs. And I think these moves make a lot of sense for Inter. But the only way they regret a move like Tonali is if they don't win the Scudetto this year or the next. Because at a certain point when you invest like this, when you give a lot of wages to certain players that are experienced and you don't want to get someone 10 years from now, although like Sensi and and Barella are very young, don't get me wrong, they have to win now. And Inter's in win-now mode, and you see that in, in their market. And I think that's what we're going to see. And I think a player like a Vidal, like a Kolarov, or even a Conte will be joining Inter, and it's just full throttle for the Scudetto, man. Yeah, with Inter's, with Inter's situation, I think, um, you know, there's going to be some angst and some uh, upset fans uh, um, uh, in, in uh, the blue and black side of, of Milano. And rightfully so, I think, you know, Tonali was a player that they really wanted. Um, I didn't necessarily think he was a must, uh, like a must get for them. I didn't think it was like dire need 
for them. I think you want good players. You want good, talented young international, uh, Italian internationals. So it's only right and, and fitting that they are a little bit upset right now as they see Tonali go to Milan. But they have Burrell, as you mentioned. They have Sensi, two are very young players. You have... You know, Erickson, who's still pretty much in the, is entering, in the prime of, entering the prime of his career, excuse me, or is in the prime of his career. You know, Brozovic, I thought, was one of Inter's best midfielders last season, if not their best. I thought he stepped up massively for them and was really a great veteran presence that they exactly needed and showed that he can play in Conte's system. So I don't necessarily think that Tonali was a must-have for them or was someone that they just couldn't be without. Um, but do I think that Vidal is the guy? It's hard to say. It's, it's hard to say. I think on one end, he's familiar with him. They're also being advantageous in the position that Barca is in and getting rid of all their players that they just simply don't want to keep anymore. I think Rakitic is so, back to Sevilla. Rakitic is way, already you know? in Sevilla. You know, so they're, they're Barcelona having, are having a mass exodus and, that that team is going to look drastically different next year, if I had to guess. So, I think if you're an Inter fan, you have to look at the the the, the you look at the, you have to look at it from this perspective that yeah, you wanted Tonali, but you didn't need you need you didn't need him for what you're trying to achieve in the short term. In the long term, yeah, it can sting a little bit, especially if Tonali becomes the player that everyone think he could become. But Look, I like what they, they I like what they did with Hakimi. I think that's a great addition. They were still managing to keep Lautaro Martinez, who was linked for quite a while to Barcelona. Lukaku, uh, defensively, if they're able to keep those three players, Bastoni, uh, Devraj, and Skriniar, you have, in my opinion, in terms of personnel at least, uh, maybe not so much in terms of functionality, because I think you know, you know Juve with Demiral, Bonucci, Chiellini, and um, De Ligt still can definitely be up there as probably the best defensive team in, in Italy. But you start to look at the actual makeup and framework of Inter's team, and you're like, you know what? They're in a really good position to win the title next year. Yes, they need a couple players. They, you know, Kolarov, as you mentioned, you know, an aging type player, but great left foot, great leader, brings a ton of energy, still has a lot to give. Going forward, he's going to be able to pile in a ton of crosses for guys like Lukaku and some of the other ongoing midfielders who make those runs into the box late. So overall, I wouldn't necessarily panic if you're Inter fans. Um, now, look, if you don't win the Scudetto this year and Milan creep into the top four and Tonali's a stud, then you're going to be upset. But if Inter win the title and they're the team that not only dethrones Juve, but prevents them from getting 10 straight Scudetto, or 10 straight Scudetti, excuse me, then everyone's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, it was worth it. We got the guys we needed. Vidal was a stud. This player was a stud. That player was a stud. We, we, we did what we had to do. And ultimately, winning is this thing. And I say this about every, about every team in every sport and with every sort of move that's made is winning and performing cures all. No one's going to say anything about the fee. No one's going to say anything about, well, you know, they should have got Tanali still. If Inter win, they meet their objectives. Vidal is a beast. He shows that he has a lot more to give. Conte staying. They got this whole project built and intact. Inter fans are going to say, okay, we lost Tanali. We move on. We move forward. We have Barella. We have a lot of other players that we could be happy about and proud to have wearing our shirt. Yeah. Again, like I like I always say, and the saying goes, winning is the ultimate elixir. It just you forget about a lot of things. Same thing with a player's transfer fee. If they play amazing, you forget how much he costs. If he no. plays terrible, you're Listen. never going to forget how much he costs. Well, for your team. well, listen too. And the, and the crazy thing is that 
You know, I think Dombele from Tottenham is probably out of the yeah. equation. I think he'll just cost too much for them. I don't um, think that swap's going to go down. Of no, 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 no. no. And I think Conte is going to be very difficult to pry away from Frank Same. Lampard and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Although, again, I think you know maybe you can you can make the case that Conte's uh, starting to you know maybe be not over the hill because I think he's still very effective. He's a very strong player, but you're starting to see that he's kind of heading more further away from the player he was as like that big, like dominant midfielder that was at. Leicester City and in the early part of his Chelsea career. Um, but if they're able, able to go after a guy like Kumbula, you know, yeah. then you're like, you know what? You can't have every player. If, if, if Tonali was going to Lazio and Trubic, eh, all right. He's a good player. We wanted him, but he's at Lazio. It's just, it's one of those things where like you, 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 if you can't have him, you don't want anyone else to have him. And especially not your rival. And I think that's kind of what it is right now. But if I'm an Inter fan right now, which I'm yeah. not, <laughs> obviously um i would still be optimistic about where, where, where we're headed heading into the season yeah i would agree if i was an intro fan as well which i'm not so anyways before we move on to some other topics we have to uh, let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by the athletic the athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters as you know and love like david ornstein james pierce sam lee and others the athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else no ads are clickbait, just great sports writing. And, and that's just a fact on top of all the other top podcasts as well. For 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, go to theathletic.co.uk slash SOP. It's $2.250 uh, a month uh, if you go there for the annual deal, Matt. Um, again, it's just such a amazing fee. And again, what have you spent? that money on um i spent a lot i was away on vacation so i mean there was almost everything that you could think of um uh, on top of a grateful dead sweatshirt that i got on nantucket which is a place just off of the coast of cape cod where uh, jaws is based off of for all of you uh, uk listeners european listeners that have no idea what the hell nantucket is um so matt what did you spend uh um nothing actually i just pretty much well i mean i that's that's a lie i've bought things <laughs> in the past you know, week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, um, mm-hmm. Chipotle, iced teas, coffee, you name it. But um, in any case, if I had to choose, I would definitely choose the athletic subscription over that just for the simple reason that I'm getting, um, I'm always on my phone. I'm always uh, you're launching the app. I'm always looking for the latest news, insight, um, editorials, co- uh, co-ops, and all these sorts of things. Um, I don't know, I'm not co-ops, <laughs> op-eds, excuse me, um, <laughs> on football, especially now yeah. with the Mercato, especially with all the, oh the, the buzz surrounding Messi and what, yeah. what his future holds. So um, in addition to that, you're, you're, you know, you're getting the, the major sports, which you know, NFL is going to be coming back very soon, I think within a week or two weeks. You know, NBA, yep. bubble, that's a huge thing. Major League Baseball, we just had the trade deadline here. So there's a lot of things going on in the world of sports outside of football. So that's pretty much that's the that's just gravy. If you like any other major sport, chances are you're going to get even more bang for your buck, making that two forty nine pound just that much more of a great value, great deal for you. Especially if you sign up through us, which we're um we, you know, we're, we're happy we're able to work with um alongside the athletic to provide that opportunity for you guys to 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 enjoy the same content that we enjoy. Yeah, um, definitely agree. It's the best site around, and and for sure, if you want to learn more about Sandro Tonali. Just head on over to the athletic. I'm sure they got some stuff over there. So, um, yeah, they have uh, they had something from James Horncastle, which was a, a great read. Um, he's got the best. He's, he's my personal favorite. Yeah, he's like he's kind of like their yeah. main the main Serie A guy. 
Yeah, he, he does a lot of great Serie A work. There's tons of, of write-ups on um, the Cherby Suswell. So you're not just getting kind of the cookie-cutter content, the, the content that um, a lot of these other, the other sites put out there in terms of you know, focusing only on the big clubs and the big players. You're getting some really exclusive player profiles, you know, the, the, maybe the underground stories. So you're getting a little bit, little bit of each and some great bang for your buck from, from the industry's best. So, so make sure you guys go check that out. And once again, thank you to The Athletic for sponsoring both our podcast and our YouTube channel. Yes, Lightboard Series, check them out. Uh, Harry Brooks and Pepperisha, the past two videos, they're great um, for uh, formation ball playing center backs and the England national team. So, Matt, we're going to stick back to Italy, but kind of a weird transfer that came out of nowhere. Um, talking about Juve, nine consecutive Scudetti champions, most ever in Italy. Weston McKinney. Of America, Team USA, coming over from Schalke, going to Juve. Man, I'm very surprised by this move. It's just, it's just, we've seen Americans play in Italy before, but to see, you know, one of the one of the top youngsters out of this country played pretty well for Schalke. Uh, there were some inconsistencies there. He's obviously very young, and that club is just going through some issues at the moment. Um, as we've seen after the restart, but what a fantastic opportunity it is for him. What a, you know, buy low opportunity for Juve that could be just a really solid signing for them, a great rotational piece if, if we find out what Pirlo can do with him. But the loan with option to buy again, that's not going away on this podcast. Um, I, li- I like this move. I'm just a little – the only thing I'm a little skeptical of, if Juve make a couple more moves for their midfield and other depth, I know they need to sell more players. They're trying to terminate more contracts. Um, and we'll get into some of the other names that they're linked to. But, I mean, this is just – it's a really good day if you're a Team um, USA men's national team uh, fan. And, honestly, just to, just to see one of the talents like this kind of shows the progress of American so- uh, soccer and football that they've been making. Weston McKinney's, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, um, you know, people who are outside of the U.S. soccer, you know, U.S. men's national team uh, realm that maybe scoff at this deal and saying Weston McKinney, they got an American to play for Juve, one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in Italy. What's going on here? Um, But for me, I look at it as, look, Weston McKinney, I think he showed um, his positional versatility, his flexibility at Schalke. I don't think he was necessarily always put in the best position by Tedesco to be cemented into one role where he can really thrive and have that comfort and show everything that he's able to provide. Um, but I think that's something that could be used as a good asset for Pirlo, right? I think, you know, we've seen where Weston McKenney is used. He is a player that has a great engine, does a lot of things, good things off the ball, um, fantastic work rate. I don't think you're ever going to have to worry about that. And I think he's a, a younger, better option than, than Matuidi would have been. And plus you're also getting the appeal from that U.S. market, which we all know that, you know, this is a business, right? You know, we all know that, yes, it's a sport football, but at the end of the day, Juventus, they, they do really, really well on the commercial side of things, specifically with catering to different markets and knowing how to capitalize and, you'll take advantage of some of the opportunities that, pre- that are presented to them with certain moves like this. So when I look at McKenney as just a player alone, I think he's going to be um, one that has to um, fight for, for minutes. And I think in many ways, that's something that 
will only feed and fuel him more to, to convince Pirlo. Because it's easy for a young player to say, oh, hey, you know what? I'm the big bad acquisition for Juventus. I have a guaranteed spot. I'm going to walk right into this team. No, he's going to have Rodrigo Bentecourt. He's going to have, um, who's had a great season last year. He yeah. was probably Juve's best midfielder. You have Arthur, who's coming over from Barcelona, very young, coming over with a lot of praise and promise. Many argue that he really just wasn't given the best opportunity and best chance to really um, you know, show himself and demonstrate what he's, what, he, what he's about at Barcelona, given their situation. And then you look at Rabiot, you look at Ramsey, you look at who else they're maybe looking to add in the midfield area. So McKinney's going to have a lot of quality to, to compete with. And I always love that sort of that saying that competition breeds excellence. You want that sort of environment if you're a young player, if you're Pirlo. And for McKenney to be training around guys like Ronaldo, Chiellini, Bonucci, Buffon, I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to have a, be a sponge. He's going to have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience, of um, winning tradition um, around him on a regular basis. That should only prove to, to, to help grow his game. And look, he's just another one in a line, long line of young, promising um, U.S. internationals playing abroad, making a name for themselves, not only – um, in their domestic leagues, but also, you know, in the Champions Leagues. Uh, Champions League, excuse me. So Tyler Adams did for Leipzig. We see what Giorania, we see what Pulisic have been doing, you know. So you kind of go on, uh, down the line and you think, on one end, U.S. fans are going to be like, oh, he's joining Juventus. He's not, gonna, he's not joining a team where he's going to get the bulk of the minutes. But on the other end, you got to understand he's 21. And the fact that he is such a competitor with, within himself, I think that's going to be something that really works to his advantage and ultimately will be something that a lot of Juventus fans – quickly learn to appreciate about him. But I'm excited to see is I think there's a certain element of his game that I think Pirlo will really tap into and Juventus fans will really enjoy um, once they start to see more of him and, and understand what he's about. Yeah, and especially if uh, Pirlo's deciding to go with three at the back. I think there's going to be more opportunity for them. They, he, we all know Juve play in a ton of competition, so they'll, they'll be using him. But we know their situation and issue was a true up-top scoring forward. Higuain wasn't cutting it. The wages he was on were just garbage. I mean, like, this, it's not even close to the production that they need and, and the feed that they brought him in for. Pirlo said he's not in his plans, so obviously that's going down. For, for the rumored names out there, they're not that much younger than Higuain, Matt. Luis Suarez, Eden Dzeko. Do you like these names? Do you understand it? We know they've been linked with Milik. Um, who knows if that's still a potential for them. They're still going to have to sell some players. Douglas Costa, Federico Bernadeschi. we, we got to hurry up with this, though. But I think the more likely name that you could see join out of these two is Dzeko, um, in my opinion. Suarez, for them, would be... I think that would catapult them back into the favorites for the league again, in my opinion. I still think he has enough in his tank that he could provide that on the field. But Jacko, again, he can be productive. Roma isn't that great of a side. He did some good things there, as John Solano highlighted on a couple episodes prior to this. But do you like the direction Juve is going in here with the potential investing? Because it is hard. The most young striker forward types cost a ton of money. I understand. I, I'm not necessarily on board with it because I think they do need to get younger in certain departments. I mean, Kulisevsky helps, uh, you know, Bentancur, Rabio, Arthur, Weston McKinney. So you go down the line, you're like, okay, you know, they got some young players coming up. 
Um, obviously, the fullback position remains uh, an issue for them as well. But this seems to be more of like a short-term, um, a short-term idea, a short-term thought process. Um, and I don't hate it. I think if you're able to take advantage again of Barcelona's situation, where you don't have to pay a transfer fee for a guy like Luis Suarez, who has, you know, he needs those wingers making those runs. He needs guys like Ronaldo. He needs guys like um, you know Costa, Kulisevsky. Um, whoever's in the equation for Juve in the attacking areas to make those runs because he's not that sort of striker that he was at Liverpool in the early part of his years at Barcelona where he was just a fiend as a goal scorer. Um, he's got some injuries that he's been dealt, dealing with the past couple seasons. He is getting up there in age, but he's got a ton of experience. And the one thing that he does so, so well is, one, he's very clutch. Two, he scores goals. And I think he's going to be a player that even in two to three years – even if you give him two years in Serie A, I could see him being a guy that scores 30 to 32 goals over two seasons in Serie A. I just think that with all the options that Juve have around him, the supporting cast to play with, the fact that he's, you know, he feels like at this stage of his career, he's suited, his game is suited for the, the pace of play in Serie A, the type of defensive style that, they, uh, that many of these teams employ. And I, I for me, I think you, you can you know, block out all the other aspects of Luis Suarez's game, um, which would be funny with this one because you have Luis Suarez and Chiellini, um, I think maybe meeting for one of the few times since the whole uh, biting occurred in the 2014 World Cup, which would be pretty fascinating. So I'm sure they'll have a good chat about that. But um, I think even a player like Dzeko, I I, I love Dzeko. We talked about him on on the podcast with Solano. Make sure you guys go check that out because it's really relevant as to what um, as to what's going on with Roma currently. But these two strikers are they're two of the best of the of their generation in terms of production, in terms of um, being clutch players, players who do deliver, players who um, you know provide goals, and, and that's ultimately what Juve wants. I think they would like Milik, but I think if you ask most Juve fans whether or not they want Suarez, Jacko, or Milik. I think they probably would choose the first two over Milik. Not to mention, you've got to pay a fee for Milik. Any Napoli fan Napoli I talk to hates him. <laughs> they, I mean, they, 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 would have to, they would have to include probably Bernadeschi to kind of make, bring that fee down. But even then, I think Napoli are playing really hard ball with them because they know Juve's situation, they need a striker. Um, and I understand that. But my goodness, I mean, if they're able to add a Suarez or a Dzeko for one or two seasons, I think Dzeko's a good leader. He has a lot of a lot of the intangibles that you maybe don't see in a stat sheet or um, you know uh, initially up front, but when you actually watch him play, and I'm sure a lot of the things behind the scenes that lead you to believe that he's a player that is a winner. He wants to win something. He has won before at um, Manchester City. So these two players, I think, fit the mold of of a short term plan, a short term approach that Juventus is looking to take. You know, affordable options that you know can give you in the one to two years and then you reassess the market and you get a more long-term solution. I mean, if you're looking at Ronaldo, Suarez, slash Dzeko, Dybala, Costa, Kulisevsky, I mean, they're even being reportedly linked with Chiesa. I don't know if that's going to happen. My goodness, Juve are going to have attacking depth and they're going to have a ton of firepower to deal with. And look, as I said, they may not be the silkiest type strikers, but Dzeko has, what, 50-plus goals in three leagues? Luis Suarez has proven over his entire career that he scores goals. You know, he could score big goals. 
that's what they want. They want players who can deliver on the big stage. So I'm curious to see which direction they go. I think it's definitely probably going to be one of the two because you all know that they need a striker because Iguain could be on his way to Inter-Miami, which is a developing story. So that would be fascinating, right? Moving out Matuidi and Iguain to join Inter-Miami. Um, I'm sure David Beckham would love that, but we'll have to wait and see how things play out the rest of the way for, for Juve in their market. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as uh, further things develop in the coming weeks. Uh, moving on to England, all most of the top clubs have been making moves as we just have around 15 minutes or so left in this podcast. Donnie Vandebeek, this one happened fast, Matt, uh, to Manchester United. Again, this is another what, this philosophy that Manchester United is sticking to, big money purchases for very talented players. Donny van de Beek, we saw him full display when Ajax made that Champions League run um, season prior to this one. For me, I think it rules out Sancho for this. I, I just, unless they keep on making more sales or if they get sales here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like this move for them, but I think it does rule out Sancho for the short term. Um, they're probably going to have to come back to that in January, potentially. Sancho isn't an essential. He's not, he's not like, he may feel like an essential. He may feel like the player that, that United have to have because of what everyone else around them is doing. You know, Ferran Torres and, you know, is obviously went to City. City are t- trying to get messy. Then you look at what Chelsea's doing, right, with Timo Werner. Hakeem Ziyech, um, Kai Havertz, you know, all these sorts of players that their, their, their main competitors are doing. Um, Sancho, I think, is, will happen. I just don't think it's the right time right now. I think he's in a different bracket in terms of fee than Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz, I think, is going to cost around $100 million when it's all said and done after bonuses and the total sum of the transfer fee. Um, whereas with Sancho, I think he's a player that's going to cost upwards of 120 dollars Now, I don't completely rule it out, but I don't think he's a necessity. They got Mason Greenwood. They got Rashford. They got Martial. They have options up there. So we'll have to wait and see how that things play on the Sancho front. But real quickly on Van de Beek, I think he's not the sexiest signing, but I think he's an essential core piece that they really needed. If you look at the, d- the difference between the crop of players and the depth that Manchester United have in comparison to Chelsea, City, um, Liverpool, and some of the other clubs – it's not even close. I mean, the drop-off after they're in a starting 11, which is a strong starting 11 in my opinion. I love Bruno Fernandes. I love Paul. I love that tandem over a full season. And even Matic, who just signed an extension too. But that drop-off after that on the bench, they really needed to kind of stretch out that squad. And I think Van de Beek is a player who does a lot. He he's, can play in multiple different areas for you. He can play a little bit more forward. He could play in a, you know, in a traditional three. He can, he can do so many different things for you that maybe he's not – this Kevin De Bruyne type where he's going to bang in, you know, 10 to 12 goals and put up 18 to 20 assists. But I think he's a player that is essential. And for the fee, which is, I think, about 35 to 40 to 45 million, um, which is what I was reading, I think that's a, a good fee for a player who has Champions League experience, you know, has this sort of makeup that I think Ollie could really, really desperately use. Um, and also, I think he wants to be there. He, wants, he has that desire to play at Old Trafford you know, in front of the fans when that, when that opportunity does come towards us. So overall, I think United have to be pleased with this move. Uh, but of course, they have to wait and see how the rest of the market goes because I think ultimately that'll be the kind of 
ultimate judgment from the fans if they're able to check off some of the other boxes, you know, specifically at the back, which I know they're trying to move away with for Chris Smalling. So I think there's, some, there's plenty of time in the window for Manchester United fans to uh, enjoy and celebrate some more additions that can help go a long way in making a, a more serious push up the table. Yeah, again, they're just adding more depth, a lot more talent that they've had in recent years. So good move by United. I think that one will pay off as well. But Chelsea, man. They've been the team of the summer, team of the transfer market. Really hard to disagree with it. Every single move that they've been making has just been bang on. I know they still need to figure out that keeper situation. But, Matt, we were saying time and time again, Pet has said it, I have said it, almost every single guest that we've had and yourself has said it, center back, center back, center back. All these additions are fantastic in the midfield um, and attacking areas. But they need a center back to really solidify a lot of this. Thiago Silva. One of the better center backs and defensive players of the 2010s is heading to Chelsea. Still think he's got a lot left in the tank. I think this really helps a lot uh, development-wise for some of their younger defenders that still need a bit of um, polishing. Um, And then we got Kai Havertz, too. This pretty much seems wrapped up and done. You mentioned 100 million euros. He's just one of the most young, talented players in the world and one of the better – he's going to be one of the better players in this future. And, again, it's just – what Chelsea is doing here, if you said it like 12 months ago with like the Frank Lampard and the transfer ban situation, you would say, how the hell did they pull that off? And right now, you can even toss in Chilwell. Matt, it's, again, it's... It's, it's a dip. great it's a great market. Yeah. I, and I, I don't want to interrupt you, but Martino, it's a great market. But I think the more I look at it and the more I assess their squad, they still have some concerns defensively. I'm not quite sold on their defensive unit. Hmm. I know it's going to sound strange because they did, they did just add Tiago Silva. I think Silva. that's still fair. I think the center right? backs as a whole. They do need not, a yeah. goalkeeper. They are trying desperately to get Mendy, I think, from uh, from uh, Stad Rennes um, or Reigns. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced that um, from, you know, from, from the French League. So while they have made a ton of statement signings, as you alluded to, and as we've been kind of you know, charting over the past – month and a half, two months here, it just seems to me is that, yes, they are, they are, in my opinion, the team that could be right there with Liverpool and City to make a, make a title push, right? It could be a three-team race next year. Maybe four, if United make some other things happen. I still think they're on the outside looking in at that. And maybe perhaps the, the young players, the young nucleus that Frank Lampard has still needs a couple more seasons to kind of really be taken seriously as a title contender because we all know how long it took for City and Liverpool to um, assert themselves in that conversation. But mm. they still need to go and get like two to three, two guys, three guys, you think, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I know Pet was like, yeah, they had a great market, but they need a goalkeeper. They need another defender. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this was before Tiago Silva. Chilwell's nice. He's a good addition. Don't get me wrong. He's a, definitely an upgrade as to, what, as to what they had in that position previously. But I think they still need to do a little bit more if their goal is to be in that conversation for the title. I think they're, in my opinion, based on what they've accomplished and based on what we saw last year from some of these young players, um, specifically Pulisic over a full season here, I think that's going to be very exciting too. Yeah. But they still seem to be missing one or two players. And I wonder if they're able to do that. I think they're kind of all in right now. Mm. So I'd imagine they're not going to do um, leave the market kind of like, oh, we should have got that one other player. I think they're not going to leave anything to chance, and I think they're going to 
back up the truck and they're going to make sure that they check off all their boxes. So I'm curious to see what else Chelsea does the rest of the way. But as of right now, Werner, Ziyech, Havertz, Chilwell. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And if you're a Chelsea fan, they think this climb back after a very couple grim seasons, very encouraging. And I think that the pack is expanding uh, back to becoming a really, really deep race for that title conversation. Yeah, and, and again, I think just securing the Champions League was so huge for them and seeing many strides with the guys that they have. Um, Chelsea's going to score a lot of goals. We'll see how many they concede, and that's going to be their key for next season. Uh, Matt, another London team, our boy Pets team, Arsenal. Two Pets, signings. Pets thriving right now. Pets living, right? He's, he's, he is living. He's, 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 he, was away on, he was away on holiday. Yeah. Um, the Community Shield win. Yeah. Over um, over uh, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. and now all of a sudden Ceballos comes back for yeah. for another year, which is what what is being reported by Fabrizio Romano. Who, which by He's, the way, he turned down um, a couple other teams. He said only Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. Um, for for them to get Ceballos back, who knows Arteta, who has a comfort within his system, the fans will love him. It's a it's a it, there's no worry about whether or not he's going to fit it's just a, another good addition for Mikel Arteta to use and to have going forward mm-hmm. obviously we talked about before we even went live here Gabriel that's mm-hmm. only a matter of days I think it's been kind of going on longer long enough Fabrizio and I think Arsenal are itching to uh, Arsenal are itching to fans are, are itching to welcome him to the team and and start to see the squad really take shape um which what which what is it what it is it is intended to um, very soon. Overall, I think Arsenal. I mean, you gotta like the business they've been doing. That's Kieran Tierney, Saliba, um, in the equation for um, the upcoming season defensively. So you're starting to see them weed out some of these reject players, players that really just aren't Arsenal quality, aren't gonna bring them to the level. What was that? Mkhitaryan off to Roma officially. Yeah, I think they they may be selling a couple players. Um, uh, Maitland, uh, Maitland Niles is another one who has kind of been uh, linked to a move. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still monitoring Arsenal, and I'm sure Pet still mm. would agree that they need to do um, some more. Um, Obama Yang's contract extension is, is probably priority right now. Yeah. Like that's going to happen. I think he had a really, a really good game in the Community Shield. So all in all, I, I, I like where Arsenal is headed. If they, if they can continue to support Mikel Arteta on the market, I think they're really a team that, will legitimately compete for top four next year. And look, you get into the Europa League, you make that sort of, that sort of impact there. And maybe the Arsenal are turning the corner and they are heading back in the right direction. So all in all, I think Pet and as an Arsenal fan and us as Milan fans, we got to be pretty pleased as to where we're headed. Yeah, only negative for Pet is he's very far behind in the race to 1,000 followers. I am only oh, yeah. 22 away now. So I am... Uh... I am closing it on in. My goal was to get it by the start of the Premier League season, but we're going to bring it back to Pet real quick because we have a bunch of questions from. Yeah, we got to get everybody. some of these in. So Pet, Pet is asked asked us. He was the first question, so we'll just go with him. Um, why have Juve and Inter sat idle while Milan managed to sign the future of the Italian midfielder Tonali? We we kind of touched it, right? I mean, the situation that both of these clubs are in right now, I don't think it's what their prerogative was, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to really move forward with getting some of these guys. They wanted more veterans. Mm -hmm. They, they couldn't really wait on some youngsters. Um, And you know, everything aligned for, for Milan to step in and to get Tonali. I think for the longest time, I think it was these three clubs that were really after him. 
um, mm-hmm. to certain degrees and certain levels of um, drive to make this deal happen. Um, as Juve kind of fell off and entered kind of, uh, yeah, we're going to get him. We'll get it done. Don't worry. We'll get it done. Get it done. Get it done. And then at some point they're like, uh, maybe we want to try and go after someone else first. They got maybe a little bit greedy or they assumed that it was done. And then Milan jumped in and it jumped in pretty quickly. But um, I don't think it was necessarily um, Juve and Inter dropping the ball here. I, I just think that you know, they have a different approach. They have a different, they're in a different position than Milan are. And I think ultimately Tonali just fit what Milan needed at this moment in time. He's yep. young, which is what Milan and Gazidis have been after for the longest time. You know, he's defensive. He's a good ball carrier. He can pass. He's just everything that they really wanted um, in, a, in a midfield acquisition. And I think that it, it just made a lot more sense for Milan to get him versus Juve and Inter. I'm just glad he's staying in Serie A. I mean, of course, I love him at yeah. Milan. But the fact that he's yeah. staying in Serie A and he's going to be getting really quality minutes, but also being able to hopefully translate that to the national team as a very important player heading into Euro 2021. Yeah. Very exciting time to see Tonali make that next step up. Yeah, so again, still buzzing after that. Um, we're going to kick it again with uh, Serie A. Maddie Lewis asks, and then this is something I've been making fun of this club for for a little bit, but it is certainly concerning, and it's one of the main concerns I have heading into the next Serie A season in terms of teams that want to compete for the top four, Matt. It's Lazio. They failed to I, – I know uh, – how do you say his name? I just don't want to botch it, so I'll just talk to you. Um, the, the name that their latest link to, unless you're going to embarrass me and make me go for the name. Um, out of respect, I also probably don't know the name. I know Pet actually, it's funny enough, Pet messaged us and he was like, yes. yeah, this guy is like, he's from Kosovo. He's got like our Kosovan roots. You know, anyone who wants. Mariki. Yeah, maybe that's. We'll, we'll, we'll have Pet come on and speak He's Kosovan. He's Kosovan and, and the reported fee is around 20 million euros. We know they lost out on David Silva. Kumbula, we thought, was also a possibility to go for them. Claudio Lotito, a lot of people got to understand and remember that they're not this type of team that spends lavishly. And he's also the kind of guy that demands a ton of money for the players that he has. Oh, he's very shrewd. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything less than 110 million euros for Milinkovic Savic. He's not selling Immobile for less than 100 million euros. He's just that kind of guy. And, but he's also the type of guy that doesn't invest. And you know what? Lazio, again, don't own their own stadium. They're not a huge, marketable club. But the lack of depth is terrifying. And, Matt, I'll be honest with you, I'm still not convinced that they're a team to finish top four. I don't think they're a lack at all. I think with Lazio, I think you started to see um, post-lockdown or post-restart that Inzaghi just didn't rotate. I don't don't know if it's down to whether or not he had options or he simply just didn't trust that – those options were good enough. And that was ultimately the difference, right? We saw how much depth has fueled and drove Juve to be the juggernaut that they are now. They, you need to have that depth, especially as a Champions League team. I mean, my goodness. I, I know it's still early on in the market, but if you're a team that had such a great season like they had, as a fan, you've got to be disappointed. Like, okay, they, let, they, they missed out of David Silva. I think that's a tough one because I think – they did all they could to really get him in, and then there was a change of heart, mm. and Silva went to Sociedad. But they got to find a way to get some, some deals over the line, get some, get some Ws, you know what I'm saying, get some win and some, some, some ticks in the win column here. Um, you know, they do need a striker. 
Caicedo is just he was okay for them at, at spells, but they they do need someone that they can spell um, immobile a breather or you know partner him and give them a different look up. Front. They're not getting thirty six so, again. No, 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 no. I, I I don't see that happening. Hey, you never know though, right? I think Immobile's had a great, no, I know. A great, uh, great career. Then he's actually just signed an extension too. Um, so, by the way, severely underpaid, three and a half. To yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's, that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. But I yeah. think Lazio need to really make some things happen. I do think they need another defender, and obviously Pepe Reina is a nice addition. As um, thank you, as as someone to play alongside Strakosha, um, you know, give him some competition, give him some pointers because I think Strakosha has potential, but I don't think he's necessarily taken his game to the next level like many Laziale have expected him to. So. It's still early. I, mm-hmm. I, if I'm a Lazio fan, I know you're going to be upset because you're looking around at the rest of your, you know, com- competition, thinking Inter are making things happen. Juve are in discussions for all these players. Milan, or my goodness, they're making things happen. They're making some noise. And Atalanta, Mirinchuk, and you know, they're looking at other players as well. And they're thinking, when are we going to do something? Lotito's yeah. got to wake up and, and make some noise. But even Roma aren't doing anything. They're kind of in that position where they're trying they, to. See, they get a little players. bit of a break though. They just got new ownership in, for- right? Yeah. I understand. I understand yeah, yeah. that, but no, the no, fans no, are not yeah. going to be understanding of that. The fans <laughs> want to win. The fans oh, want to finish top not. four. Of so, course. with all this being said, I think Lazio fans—you uh, could be a little worried. You could have your reason to be upset, but at the same time, it's still early in the market. I think they will make some things happen. I don't necessarily believe it's going to be a this summer splashing of money yeah. on players, but I think they'll plug holes where needed to kind of round out their squad, broaden their depth and their talent base, and be in a position to be in the thick of things for um, another top four finish. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Lazio got to act fast because time, time is ticking. I know there's another month, but considering when the season starts, got to get them in soon. Um, VJ Raman, Trini sports guy, one of the, one of the good friends of ours, big Milan fan. Um, lots on Romagnoli and Verratti not being picked up. This is just playing it very safe with the Italian national team. Romagnoli is still injured. Verratti's probably still not 100%. Uh, Ligue started up again uh, on, on the weekend of August 22nd. So, again, Mancini's just playing it safe. There's a lot of depth out there. No need to rush these guys back. I'm sure uh, PSG and Milan both don't want these guys uh, going um, to places that it would be unnecessary for them to uh, play. Just get them back, healthy rehab. Um, I don't think there's anything much else to say there. And one more Milan question again. <laughs> Darren Torres, uh, Matt, um, should Milan continue with the four-two-three-one or change to the four-three-three? You could just answer this yourself. Um, I think I've covered it enough on my Twitter account on what uh, they are really going to be wanting to do with that. Um, yeah, I think they should you know, stick with the four-two-three-one. It's worked. Um, you know, the double pivot was something I've been highlighting um, ad nauseum the past couple months with Milan with Ben Asen and Kessie looking really good alongside one another. Uh, but I don't think fans should get too caught up in, like, the hard formation. Like, well, they got to play a 4-2-3-1. They got to – like, they, people, I think, get caught up in too much of, like, the hard definitive details of, like, the actual formation and the actual structure of it. Whereas so many times we see things kind of sh- shift in-game, right? Milan haven't, haven't had these sort of options at their disposal for such a long time. So I think – for us to be like, well, he's better. He got to play a four-two-three-one. When Pioli has shown historically as a manager to have some different formations, some tactical versatility, some tactical flexibility in his in his arsenal to play with a four-three-three, or you know maybe 
play with a four four two. You know, give a little bit of a different look to the opposition. Get, help have them game plan differently to combat you. So uh, to answer the question, yes, I think the four two three one's probably going to be the formation they run out on the first match day. Once we actually know what the schedule is, um, which I think is coming up in I think next week, if I'm correct, next Wednesday. So yeah, the four two three one's probably going to be the formation. Um, I'm not going to go too much into actual players that are going to start. Um, I think most people know who those starters will be at this point in time. But again, don't get too caught up in the actual structure. Just know that Milan have options to go with different different formations You know, in-game, maybe go with extra wingers, go with two strikers. They have an option to play maybe Hakan behind um, a layout and a Ibrahimovic. So they could do a couple different things here, and that's the beauty about having the midfield and midfield quality quality that they do. Yeah. Again, look, sticking, sticking with what has worked for them is obviously going to work. And then you could obviously be flexible. They could do a four, three, three, where Kessie will be on the right. Um, you could put Donali in the middle, Benacerigo on the left, Hakan takes a break. You have Rebic up on the left and the left wing. And then you could put Diaz on the right wing or Samu Casillo or whoever else they'll have there. And then Iber Liao up top, you know, it's just, there's a lot of flexibility going on. We've seen Pioli be flexible. Um, and they're going to be sticking to uh, whatever works and whatever personnel, whatever game is there. Guys are going to get tired. There's going to be different competitions. Uh, things will change. But I do primarily think that the main formation will be a 4-2-3-1. But, Matt, we're going to have to wrap this episode up. It was such a fun one. I love when there's so much action on the market. Um, and, and there's going to be so much more to come. And, and we'll all cover that. Um, let everyone know where they could find you and your work. Sure. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Once again, thank you for the support there. I'm, I'm hoping to get some writing done um, as more deals kind of get finalized and we have an understanding as to where certain players are going to be going. Uh, I should be having something very special in terms of the writing piece coming out over the next couple of days, which is tied to um, the Italian national team, the game that's coming up um, later this week. But uh, for all those updates, you guys can follow me again on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Make sure you guys are following us, Stay to Play Pod, on all social channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Support us on our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, turn on those um, alert notifications so you make sure that you don't miss out on new content as it gets thrown up on the channel. Once again, we appreciate the support. And um, yeah, Martino, take it away. Wrap us up. Yeah, you can follow me at Martino Puccio uh, on Twitter. Very close to 1K and beating Pet. Pet just um, commented under the tweet where I was saying 30 uh, followers away saying, don't follow me. Um, follow me. And you can also follow Pet because, you know, I mean, he's still going to need a, a few people to catch up to me. But again, um, hopefully we have him back on soon. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It, and again, the, the ride's just starting as we head into another season. There's going to be so much more growth. And we really appreciate everybody that's tuned in. To, to all the work that we've done on YouTube uh, um, and especially on the podcast and uh, hopefully for more success the rest of 2020 and then heading into 2021. But for now, listen to some Joaquin.